episode of the Into the Night Minute. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1985 John Landis-directed comedy Into the Night. One minute of screen time per episode. Of the two of us, you just heard from Chris. My name is Rudy. What we normally do is a Movies by the Minute podcast for Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, The title of that podcast is... Open the podcast doors, how? Uh, look for it wherever fine books are sold. Um, but we enjoyed a, a, an evening of, uh, you know, a, a hidden Jeff Goldblum uh, cinema gem last week. This is an obscure film from the 80s. I, in 1985, I was 13 years old and pretty much uh, was aware of every piece of pop culture that was out there even if i even if i didn't see it or wasn't allowed to see it um so film music tv shows you can ask me almost anything about the year 1985 in media and i'll probably know the answer however into the night never heard of it yeah uh i was eight i think i was a uh i think i was more interested in he-man masters of the universe and Mm -hmm. uh riding my bike yeah I had a hand-me-down 10-speed right around this time that was way too big for me. Yeah, that's pretty very intense. difficult to ride yeah. and made of solid pig iron. Yeah, I had a it- Schwinn Tornado <laughs> that my uh, dad's parents gave to me for my birthday. That was a fantastic bicycle. I had that thing for like 10 years. Welcome back to Cycling. When we were kids. <laughs> uh, so let's get into minute 31 of Into the Night. This is uh, this minute starts with the wrapping up of the apartment scene uh, with where uh, Diana mm-hmm. and uh, Goldblum. I keep calling him Goldblum because I, I forget that he actually has a character name. Uh, Ed Oaken uh, are they're in Diana's brother's apartment. Yeah. And he is obsessed with Elvis. Yep. He has lots of Elvis stuff up on the walls in case. It wasn't clear to you, although there's no Elvis music playing. Yeah, um, every single inch of the walls and every surface is covered in Elvis memorabilia, artwork, records, et cetera, et cetera. And Chris has mentioned that. Why aren't they playing Elvis music? Well, it's it probably a rights money. issue. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what they were playing? I, I, um, we talked about sugar, it. Sugar, it's a honey bunch. You oh, know yeah. All right. Can't help myself. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, we don't have the rights to that. I, I yeah. shouldn't sing another <laughs> word. Um but uh, Charlie here, mm-hmm. the person obsessed with Elvis, other than his music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he comes in. The, the music is playing before they enter the apartment. So it's never really clear if this music is actually playing or if they've just chosen this as, you know, background music during the It's scene. part of the score. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's played by Bruce McGill, mm-hmm. who is not one of the kids in the hall, it turns out. Or the skateboarder. Is there a skateboarder called Bruce Mike McGill? McGill. Oh, Mike McGill. Yeah. Uh, Bruce McGill, still acting, most famously known for uh, his role as D-Day from Animal House. Do you remember D-Day? 
Yeah, remember big he, mustache. He d- does the finger flicking uh, William Tell overture on his throat. Yeah, yeah. is that D- D- yeah. he does that? Yeah. Well, it, that was him who did it. Yeah, and then he, I, I believe he's the one piloting the death mobile during the parade. You know, good for him. Yeah, um, but it's funny. Like I always thought of that character looks like Kiefer Sutherland, which is funny because Donald Sutherland is in Animal House. He sure is. And I thought wait, that can't be the same guy. And sure enough, I looked at a picture of Bruce McGill from this film mm-hmm. and also of D-Day from Animal House. I'm like, oh yeah, same guy. Did you Just, read it's his the IM- mustache. Yeah. Did you read his IMDb page or the Wikipedia page? I read his IMDb. Mm-hmm. I have some highlights, but if you have some, some Oh, there's only one highlight that I feel like is important, you know, here. Uh, and that is that he narrated a series of... Uh, uh, political advertisements for Donald Trump during the 2016 uh, election or campaign. Bruce McGill, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> but you're dead to us. <laughs> you're dead to us. <laughs> <laughs> you may not be dead, but you're dead to us. He also played Matuzak in Time Cop. Yeah, that's right. Time Cop. Best name for anything ever. I keep threatening Time to Cop? rename the band <laughs> Time, Time Cop. Cop. Uh, and also, uh, my other highlight here is he's appeared in at least one episode of every Seth MacFarlane property, other than maybe the Orville, which is still pretty new. But uh, Family Guy, reoccurring American character Dad, on the Cleveland Show, Cleveland Show, yeah, yep. And uh, again, in case this wasn't covered in the previous minutes, uh, his companion there is a character named Don. And uh, played by someone named John Stephen Fink, who I went to his IMDb page. Mm-hmm. And I've, uh, the only highlight I found there um, was that he was sort of writer, actor, producer of a TV movie from 1984 called Lubo's World. And I went to the IMDb for Lubo's World. Yeah. And I was hoping for there to be a John Landis connection that would explain his appearance in this couldn't find anything but he kind of looks like a uh justin long on a on a bad haircut day that's the guy from the apple commercials yeah oh. john, john hodgman is the pc and then mm-hmm. justin long is the apple sure um the macintosh guy so uh right as the last minute ended we learned that charlie gave diana's car to someone named artie Artie. I forget if we find out. Do we ever see Artie in no, this No, no, no. He, he is the reason the car is gone. He took it up to San Francisco. <laughs> and he, he never returns with it. This is another snapshot of the um, homophobia that fuels this particular scene. Yeah. Somebody named Artie, an unlikable name. San Francisco. Um, and he has taken yeah. that he's the reason that. You know, her $55,000 car is Which, not there. A $55,000 Porsche from 1985, 84, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Uh, what's your, you're the car guy. What's your best well, guess? Chris on, was saying that model? this has got to be one of those track cars. So I was, you know, like a 959. But in reality, I'm sure that, you know, a 911 Turbo was $55,000. I mean, that's the reason that those cars. Uh, were the the bad guy's car in every single movie. <laughs> it's like the the rich person that you can't stand, that's what they drive. Yeah, because all this is is I have a barrel of money and I've thrown it away on this status symbol. So I'm sure we'll just call that a 911 Turbo. 
I'll, I'll Google the list price of that in, in 85. <laughs> and then all the uh, possible aftermarket or um, uh, the, the optional packages that you could have on the car. Yeah, we'll go through the different trim levels. That'll mm-hmm. be a bonus app. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to get the undercoating. I think I'll rust up right on you. <laughs> uh, so as a consequence of, of learning that the car is in uh, San Francisco, not coming back, in terms of the hero's journey for Ed, for Goldblum, um, he's now on the hook for at least one more step of the journey. Right. Uh, he's got a, because she's being kicked out of, of Charlie's apartment. Charlie's very upset with her for some reason. And, uh, I believe cause she didn't pay rent or didn't help. Yeah. With the and rent. then before she went to Europe, uh, she racked up hundreds of dollars for a phone bill, oh, okay. which then he was on the hook to, uh, to cover for her. So that's why he's so angry. Right. It's like right. one of the only pieces of acting we get in this movie is this brother coming back and then like really really raging out because it's clearly been weeks and weeks of like you know her responsibilities falling on him over and over and over again and he's had it so you know he says to jeff goldblum oh she's always got you like he's happy to pass her off right and goldblum's reaction is great he just gives a, a his eyes get wide like wait what are you talking about i've only known her for you're a schlub 10 minutes that's what i'm talking about yeah um so he's not the the consequence of all this is that uh yeah that Goldblum's not done with this journey. He thought, "Oh, if I just get her to this apartment and then she can get her car back and she'll drive to somewhere that she where she feels safe and I'm done. I can go home." Yeah. And uh well, just like pretty much everything else that happens in this film, he learns he is not done and he's getting pulled one step farther yeah. into the night. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, uh, <laughs> it's on him, man. I'm not, yeah. he's not getting, I mean, maybe he's getting pulled, but yeah. he could say no at any time, but he's on board. He's into it. So Charlie, uh, and Don leave. He says, we're going out and he slams the door behind him. Uh, my note for this was wait. So does Charlie and Don, does, does, does Charlie walk around Hollywood? Cause we learned that he's on foot later. We'll, Get to that in the next minute or so. Um, so he just walks around Hollywood dressed as late 1970s Elvis. He probably does everything dressed as late 1970s Elvis. Yeah. That's my guess. Like uh, fills out a change of address form. Yeah, shows know, at up at Denny's office. for work, you know. Yeah. Casual Fridays? or, or That's the opposite of casual. <laughs> Elvis Fridays. Yeah, Elvis Fridays. I please, yeah. if there's ever Elvis Fridays, I'll have to quit my job. Um <laughs> So Diana says, uh, you know, Elvis wouldn't kick me out. And uh, she's she's lashing out at this point because she's, she's helpless and yeah. she knows she's going to get a reaction from her brother. And she does another oh, nice piece of acting here from Michelle Pfeiffer, who kind of flinches when she notices her brother took the bait and is coming back. Yeah. He opens the door and she kind of like takes a step back like, oop, I, I knew I was pressing his buttons and it worked and uh, he might hit me. That's the kind of body language we're getting from her. Yeah, and uh, Charlie says, you know, I'll paraphrase here because I don't know if we're allowed to to curse on this podcast. And I'm a gentleman. Yeah, why? Uh, you know, Charlie says, well, you didn't you, know you, him. you didn't know him. You had Sexual. relations with him. Yeah, and uh, I thought that was weird, just be, for two reasons. One, 
char- and you have a little bit of insight into the into the character that I didn't think of, even though it's so obvious now. I have I'm, opinions. I'm really slow <laughs> at picking up on things. I'm not going to call them insights; they're opinions. Um, but the first thing is like if I knew my sister was had relations with someone famous mm-hmm. there I would want to not have anything to do with that famous person much less live ever. your life in tribute to him yeah, yeah. That, I think that would be the end and even if it was a perfectly normal relationship I'd still be like ooh I I don't want to see that person's you know yeah persona in the public and know that yeah that there's a history there. It's weird. Yeah, um, it's weird. Um, we get a couple choices after he yells at his sister, saying that uh, you know you didn't know him. He throws his handful of chiclets or whatever. Okay, at him. I I did not. And pick here's up why on what I'm, that was. Yeah, here's why I'm saying it's chiclets because we got this you know cool guy you know actor move that he does beforehand, where as he's saying something about how she didn't pay the phone bill or whatever, is he tossing them. He tosses the gum yeah. or whatever it is up into his mouth from like right. you know at, from his waistline or whatever. You know that's a cool guy move that Elvis might have done. You know, yeah. so he's real proud of himself for having that you know, that move down. So that's my guess as to why, what it is he's tossing at her. But this whole scene is, in my opinion, like it's, uh, it exists to kind of, <laughs> we have a dog. In the There's room. a dog that just growled over there. Um, <clears throat> it, it's fueled by the, the, the foundation of this scene is, is homophobic. Like the whole yeah, idea is that yeah. these two unappealing guys show up and then there's the one wormy guy and then there's the hostile guy. Right. And, um, yeah, and then yeah, we get in this, and call. and they live in Hollywood. Yeah, you and you know, take it, they took the car and drove it to San Francisco, and that's yeah, why you don't it's, have it's it. And a that's little this whole too, scene for me. I'm pointing because that really helps. On a little a too on the nose is what it's, Chris it's is pointing at. Yeah. Um, oh, and then the other thing I wrote that's weird about this is that uh, the furnace bumping there. <laughs> uh, that given Diana's age, given Michelle Pfeiffer's age, mm-hmm. she's probably like. 29 or something in this. Yeah. I think she's 27. Mm -hmm. She would have been with Elvis. Assuming eight years earlier at at the soonest. Yeah. Which would have been really bloated. And she would have been 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not enjoy the mental image. I, I just, uh, painted for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So then Don uh, pokes his head back in, says, hey, do you drive the little beige Toyota? And in case you didn't notice the car (laughs) earlier, uh, this sort of uh, reminds you that uh, Goldblum's car, much like mine, is a simple A to B. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it's it's basic transportation. This will come up, uh, the contrast of what, of the, car that he ends up with couldn't be greater. Well, it's meant to represent up. the transformation of the character through exactly. his journey. I mean, that I yes, that's that's not some crazy insight, but Chris is pointing <laughs> I thought at his it was a again. great insight no, no, that no, I it, had it, in that it, moment. I was, it is a good insight. It's definitely yeah. good. Cuz like Don's making he's insulting him. He's not yeah. even telling him his car's been towed or being right. towed. He just says, "Oh, do you drive Toyota. a little beige Toyota?" A little red and he's Yaris. Like, yeah, I thought so. And he goes, <laughs> you know, he likes Snickers and leaves. Right. Yeah. He's kind of an Eddie Deason character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So they go out to the alley or they, it cuts to them in the alley and um, the homeless folks who are, who are in the alley mm-hmm. uh, just as they, as they had warned um, the little beige Toyota has been towed. Yep. I think Goldblum says by the police. Like, um, do you want to know more about who that is that Press they're talking four. to? Yeah. <laughs> Rated R um, movie phone. Movie phone. So uh, the the male derelict, as listed in IMDb. By the way, thank you so much to whoever curates the IMDb page for Into the Night because they listed the entire cast in the order of appearance. Nice. So it was very easy for me to find out who these people were. Had they just done it by like star power meter or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. I would have been looking for needles in a haystack. So this was awesome. Uh, The male derelict is played by Waldo Salt. What do you know about Waldo Salt? And you don't have to. His initials are WS. WS. Um, he was a prolific screenwriter starting in like the, in, around the 1940s and was caught up in the uh, McCarthyist blacklisting uh, problem. So this in, whole in film Hollywood. is, you know, exists to vindicate people who have been in, in some, in some way. Yeah. Potentially wrongfully. Uh, not everyone. He I, might, not, he might not have everyone I looked up says blacklisted <laughs> actor. I don't think, uh, what's it? Bruce McGill was ever blacklisted, but yeah. So Waldo Salt, uh, some of his writing credits, um, the ones I recognize were actually the ones from later in, in his career from the seventies, mm-hmm. uh, coming home. Do you remember that? Uh, with yeah, John actually Boyd? just what I just watched that last month. Weird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who, which home. character did he play in that movie? Well, he wrote it. Oh, nice. Know it. He wrote it. Oh, I read the whole story about how the screenplay was passed around, and they were like excited and not excited to make the movie. It was on the blacklist. And then Jane Fonda got on board, Mm -hmm. and then so she started her own production of it, and then it was taking forever, and then so somebody somebody else took on a production role and got the movie made. Uh, yeah, I I, I kind of dig that movie. I I think I saw it at an inappropriately young age. That is exactly what I was going to say because my memory of the film is watching the guy commit suicide, locking mm-hmm. himself in the office in the mental hospital in the not the the VA hospital. Right. That was on TV when I was a kid, so I always conflated that with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Right. So I remember right. the first time I watched that all the way through when I was like eighteen or something. I was waiting for the scene where the guy goes into the office and injects himself full of air and dies because that was the most horrifying and brutal thing I'd seen on TV at that point. Yeah, I I don't remember anything specific from it. I just remember not understanding it and my parents going, why are you watching this? It really has nothing to do. I just love um, Morose 1970s cinema. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, some of his other credits from that era, uh, Serpico. That's one I did not like as a kid and love now. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen it. We should and watch it's it. on, it's on Amazon Prime, I believe, Let's as as it. of this taping. Uh, we'll, we'll be right. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Yeah. So the uh, convertible Porsche nine eleven in nineteen eighty five was thirty seven thousand dollars. That was the so, most expensive version you could get. So she got some. 
Oh, so maybe so it, it wasn't it a really Porsche. really doesn't. But don't they say it's a Porsche at I the end? I think so. Maybe it was a, a... Oh, let's look up the price for a 928. I'll look up a 928 because okay. I don't know if that was more or less expensive than a 911. But that converts to uh, $86,000 of today's dollars. Okay. Would have been the price for a 911 Cabriolet. Back. We'll be back with... Uh, how many years has it been since 85? Doesn't matter. Porsche price guide. All right. So other other credits for Waldo Salt. Um, Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, I've never Another watched that whole movie. depressing yeah. 70s movie. And um, there are a lot of credits, again, going back through the 60s, 50s, 40s. Uh, the one that I wrote down, because I've heard of this one, uh, The Philadelphia Story. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I've never it's, seen it's it. It's like Jimmy Stewart and a few mm-hmm. other people. I, I think so. Um, and then the other person there, uh, the female derelict, hey, what a horrible word. It, it, it's like, that's, that's a term for like a, a ship or something that's sunk. Uh, Viola Kate's Stimson. Uh, it is a dehumanizing word. Yeah. We yeah. don't use the word derelict to describe people. Yeah. It's an old word. And, uh, my first note about her is that she lived to be 101 years old. Wow. I just love hearing that as I get older and older, um, it gives me hope. And I'm going to read off some of her credits. She was mostly a a TV actor, like a feature TV actress. She would pop in for one episode, Mm -hmm. uh, play some sort of character. Um, so Seinfeld ER mad TV, uh, Max Hedrum. I loved Max Hedrum. Misfits of Science. I mean, I would watch that and or see that band play. Well, you'd be the first person to, to watch that. That <laughs> was, was on. That was uh, famously a failed uh, early 80s NBC show. They, NBC went through like two or three years where they had uh, just horrible ratings in the early, early eighties. Mm-hmm. And they were just throwing anything at the wall and seeing if it stuck. Yeah. I believe that was during the Brandon Tartikoff era. <laughs> I'm not making that up. I know you're not making it up. It's and and it was also, it. uh, that was like the year that, uh, SNL went off the air for, for a year because, uh, Lauren Michaels left and mm-hmm. they had nothing. So, uh, she was also on a show on a TV show called E slash R. So ER was not the first show called ER. Uh, it, uh, uh, too close for comfort. I figured I'd bring that up. Is that like one day at a time? Uh, not really, no. Okay. And then with films, The Woman in Red. Is that with, like The Lady in Red? I think that's... Woman in Red is Gene Wilder, right? Yeah. Okay. One of them is about it like a serial killer. So is that the lady with got, one red shoe? You got to be careful about which one, which one of those you rent. Cause I think there was some confusion at home when, uh, we saw the wrong one. Star Trek four revenge of the nerds three, the next generation mm-hmm. and nutty professor Two: the clumps, the voyage home, the voyage. Home. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, you shouldn't have parked there, which <laughs> It's not really a Los Angeles uh, accent. This minute ends with Jeff Goldblum saying, perfect, and walking down the alley in disgust. I wrote that this is sort of the hero's last attempt to hang on to his previous slash normal life after everything is being taken away from him, including the little beige Toyota. 
No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I also wrote down, this would be like if uh, Luke showed up at his parents, Luke Skywalker showed up at his Uncle Owen, the Emperor's, and it had been burned down by stormtroopers. And he's like, "Ah, I'm just going to walk over to Biggs's house and Mm -hmm. hang out there for a while instead of accepting the call to adventure. Yeah. And then, he, a, then he begins the shadow journey, right. living living in the shadow of what might have been. And uh, so this is the turning point in the movie. He is now completely powerless to the forces around him. Because in L.A., if you don't have a car, you can't control your own destiny at all. It's true. If this were set in 2019, I would say that... They would also have to have like their phones in the car when it got towed away because then they can't call yes. Uber. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the minute. Unless it you is, have yeah, any other outside, observations. They lose the car and that's it. Yeah. Do you have any? No, we'll get back to you in a future episode about the uh, manufacturer's suggested retail <laughs> price of the Porsche 928, 928S, and 928GT. In $1985. Right. We're we're thinking this claim of a $55,000 I'm wondering what it is. Yeah. Yeah. A 928, I'm sure, costs more than a base 911. I don't know if they had the 928 GT yet, though. So we'll get back to you on that, though. All right. Well, do we have anything to plug? Yeah. Go listen to Open the Podcast Doors, Hal. Uh, Maybe you want to go see the movie, 2001, A Space Odyssey. It's actually quite good. Maybe you've uh, heard about it. It's uh, highly enjoyable. Um, almost as enjoyable as our podcast. Um, let's see here. We do, uh, Chris posts a lot of stuff relating to our specific episodes on our Instagram page, which is not only informative, but entertaining and nice to look at. So feel free to get on there, send mm-hmm. a question to us, uh, on the, uh, on the Instagram, if you like, but, yeah. uh, and, yeah. we, and we have a listeners society. Did you mention that? I did not. Okay. That's called space station five on and Facebook it, and it's on Facebook. Uh, You can find the Into the Night podcast on iTunes and Google Play or at the main site, nightminute.com. Social media is available for the King Lives Listener's Limo on Facebook. So that's like their listener society. And on Twitter at Night Minute. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. We will see you for Minute 32 into the night minute see you next wednesday see you next wednesday do we thank you or what i say i fall in the or what category <laughs>